I was about six weeks old when I was brought here from London, from Streatham, where I was born. Yeah, there you are. And uh, so I do definitely consider myself to be a, a native of Norfolk. I'm very proud to live in Norfolk. I absolutely love it. It's my, my home and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I was brought here. My parents uh, 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 had adopted me, obviously. Changed my name, if you want me to tell you that. That was um, uh, my surname was Hatton in those days, and they changed it to Miller, which was Ava Miller. See, my dad was an accountant, mum was a housewife, and um, they brought me here. So I grew up. It was wartime, and uh, lots of things going on in the war, as you can imagine. Dad was a an ARP chappy as well. And um, he always used to go out when there was raids, I might tell you. Mother was always terrified because he was going to get blown up or do something. We had our, I can remember vividly, um, we had our front door and windows blown in three or four times. And I can, I can remember at five o'clock in the morning picking up bits of, uh, you know, rubble and whatnot off the grass with him. I always seemed to spend more time with Dad than I did with Mum. Um, somehow or other, uh, he, when he used to go around the farms with his bike, we used to put my bike on the train and we'd go around the different farms and so I got to know people and that sort of thing and I'd, I'd be sliding down the haystacks <laughs> while he was doing his work, you know, and I'd be chatting to the old farm boys and, and all that and I loved it, really loved it. And as I grew up, um, I had a bit of a nervous breakdown because I was on a bus and uh, the bomb went off at the halfway house, which was, there was a pub, I can't remember the halfway house. Um, the bomb went off in the brewery. And so we all had to get off the bus and lie down. For the, and bless him, he was on his bike and he met me the other end. But I think that that was what really gave me a bit of a breakdown as a kid. So I spent a lot of time not at school, at home. Um, and he saved my life. I know he did because he used to buy me a book every day. I used to have a book. That's why I love reading and literature and all the rest of it so much. So I bless him for that. And then um, I went to the convent school. And just for a little while I went to the Yarmouth Convent, St Louis. Then I went to St Mary's at Lowestoft, which I was lovely. I loved it. I wasn't so keen on St Louis somehow. That was a... Irish order, but St Mary's was a Belgian order, and they were really lovely. Anyway, so I sort of worked my way up to become head girl, or whatever you'd call it, there, and loved school. Um, I'll tell you about, about, I mean, the war was over then, obviously, and but the war was quite traumatic to, to live through as a kid. We didn't have... How my parents managed to put me to private education I'll never know because dad didn't earn a lot of money um, and I'm, I just wish I'm sure lots of people wish they'd ask more questions and they had <laughs> appreciated I, if only I'd known what was going on I would have appreciated things more um, it was very difficult growing up really in, in a sense because I suppose my first job I went out to work was in the library, a private library at Smith's, W.H. Smith's in Yarmouth. That was my first job 
and um, I suppose I was about 19 when having been at school I'd had various experiences and all that and I realised, I knew that I was gay then at 19 but actually strangely enough I <laughs> very strange, I used to do very funny things when I was a kid because I was on my own I always wanted to be a vicar even then, even then and I put my dad's collar on back to front, you know, and do the old business and every, in the service every day, see. But, uh, and so it was always, I didn't like dolls. I liked my teddies and whatnot, but I didn't like dolls. Couldn't be, couldn't be doing with it, you know. I didn't feel right somehow. And I always wore more masculine clothes, I suppose. Um... It was it was just how I felt. I, I didn't feel comfortable in in that kind of thing. However, to get to the point, um, when I was nineteen, I realised then, having had the feelings for other people, women, you know, or girls or whatever at school, I knew I knew something. Then I had to pull back because there was one girl who I, she was she was a bit besotted, and she'd had another friend, and I just said to myself then I knew. Just you pull back. This is not right. In those days, you know, you can't be doing this sort of stuff. And at nineteen, I suddenly realised, yeah, well, look, you are. This is this is how you feel. And I, you you might not perhaps understand this quite so much, but I, I remember standing in my bedroom, and saying to the boss, I call God the boss, you know, look, this is me. I'm sorry, you made me like this. I've got to just be who I am. I cannot live the rest of my life pretending. And nothing, I didn't have any, any relationships or anything, but I just knew, and I wanted to get myself sorted, really. Um, because when I did have a relationship, that didn't go down well with family, well, with mother. Dad was okay. I actually told him, but mum was... So much so that I had to write letters to her about it. You know, it was just I couldn't talk to her about it, and she didn't wasn't happy with my partner at all. So that was hard. That was hard. Um, and then, you know, I've had some relationships, not a lot, not a lot. Um, my present relationship was the one. You know. Uh, when I say present, she's not with me anymore, is she? She's gone. Um, she died um, 11, nearly 11 years ago now. Yeah. Anyhow, so um, I just toddled on, joined the police force. and Because uh, then, again, I had to be quiet, didn't I? Because it wasn't really thought very well of, particularly in those, and I mean, in the services, in, in the army and all that. Well, they really treated you badly, didn't they, if they knew anything like that. However, then I met one of the, the police women who we got together. And so then it started, didn't it? We were seen together and all the rest of it. Um, and the next thing was that the um, superintendent, the one who really looked after me, was given the bullets to fire and I was moved. So then I was moved around the county. She was there. And then she moved to the Met eventually. Um, but that was how that happened. And I thought, hello, things aren't going to be very good here, are they? So then I, I've done all sorts of different things. My dad was poorly. Um, so I 
thought, well, I can't. I was in Stowmarket then, and that's quite a way. You can't come home every night to look after him. So I then joined the um, children's department for a while in, in Lowestoft. And my partner came to live with me, with Dad, and um, we looked after him. And then um, I did eventually, having wanted to go in the church, did make it. I made it. However, then I messed it up because because of being gay, I, I messed it up. There's no two ways about it. Um, I always let my heart rule my head, you know, and uh, there were some relationships that were a little bit too 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 warm, if you like that way. But anyhow, the, the, the crux of the everything was when I got together with my partner. The trouble was that her husband was a very high-ranking officer in the Metropolitan Police and I was quite high in the church and my vicar did not like it and um, eventually um, the bishop was involved and off we go and had to go. Well I went, I mean I didn't, I didn't let him fire me but I, I, I knew I'd got to go so I went. However, it was not a very Christian situation because, as I said, um, he couldn't um, he he couldn't handle it, and I didn't handle it well. I didn't think because I told the truth. The trouble was that the Lincoln Press got hold of it. I've got. I was looking this morning. I've got a, a, a wad of, of newspapers in there in the cupboard. Um, the press got hold of it, and they made a they made a ball of it, and. They said to me that all sorts of things were being put about about, about me. Oh, I'd stolen the why I'd got left the church. Um, I'd stolen the what I'd done. Stolen the money from some fund or other. That was one suggestion. Another suggestion was that I joined a witch's coven and, and got. This is right. How they talked. Honestly, you wouldn't believe it, but it's true. Uh, that's how they talked. And um, another one was. Um, I forget now what I was supposed to have done, but, but all sorts of things. And they said, I said, well, of course, none of that is true. And they said, well, if you don't tell us the truth, you know, are you having a relationship? I said, yes, I am. You know, I told the truth. And the truth got me into the biggest trouble ever. And that's how it really all blew up. So, to cut a long story short, she'd got family. And they, they her husband and her eventually divorced. But... We had to hold our heads up, and we did. Um, we came back here to my home, which was to start all over again, really, uh, because there was no other way. We, she's Welsh, she was Welsh, and she wanted to go down to Wales, and I could have got a job down there, but for the fact that the church stopped it. It was a church job, but they stopped it. So we came back here. And I did meet an amazingly kind clergyman, also an amazingly kind clergyman in Romford. He took us under his wing and allowed us, we weren't allowed to go to church, he allowed us to go and have communion in his church. He's just died, sadly, and he lives lived out in, in Norfolk somewhere when he'd retired. Lovely man. Uh, but... The, the point was that, that we came back here and we started all over again. 
I couldn't get a job. Mags did any job she could possibly do. She used to work on the Britannia Pier and at night times, and there was me trying to get jobs. And I, we came back here with with his with her son. He was only about ten, and um, she wouldn't obviously leave her home without bringing him. And the, the relationship was good with her husband. That was fine. There was no nasties, you know. That we we got through that. That was all right. They eventually divorced, but there was no. Because for the sake of, of, of a son, uh, you know, we had to keep that nice, and, and, and which was good. And so we brought him up here. So I tried to get a job, but a hundred applications later, <laughs> I finally became a bouncer at nightclub uh, in Yarmouth. And uh, it was good. Uh, I said it was good. It was <laughs> pretty, pretty different, I can tell you. And of course, being... Having had all the trauma that we'd had, and I got migraines and whatnot, so you can imagine, dark glasses, late at night, you know, floor, floor thumping with the music, you can imagine, can't you? I had to get used to it, but I did. And eventually I worked my way up to become their supervisor. The men didn't like it, didn't like a woman on the door. That was in the days when there aren't, weren't women, women on the door, but there are now, of course there are. So then I became a supervisor for a little while. Then I thought, I've had enough of this, I'll just keep trying to get... And anyway, just, uh, uh, I moved on to the Norfolk Museum Service, where I was 14 years um, at the Elizabethan House in Yarmouth, and looked after that. And uh, I and then became a... what they, The title was Custodian Interpreter. So in other words, I looked after the place and interpreted it to the people who came in, particularly the children. We had loads of children, and I used to take them out. Then I used to, here comes the drama bit, I used to dress up as a character, and there was a, a proper character. We used to research it and everything, and you'll like this one. There's an old prostitute, right, called Sarah Grand. See? Well, I've got some pictures of her I can show you one day. Um, and uh, what happened in those days, we used to, I used to work that at the Toll House Museum. The children would all come. And then my oppo would do the children upstairs. He'd take them all round the artefacts and show them and everything. And then, because the cells are downstairs, so yours truly is sitting down there waiting for the kids. You can imagine, can't you? In the dark, with my little my little rubber rat sitting down there, mm -hmm. a peapot full of water, and I was picking oakum, which is what they used to make the boat boats. You know, when they came along, they uh, put them down as wedges. You see. So I'd be sitting there picking them, and I was this old Norfolk character. And it was all dark, you can imagine, can't you? And uh, so all the gate clanked, and in they came, you see, and they thought, ooh, they didn't think anybody was in there. But then suddenly I appeared, and they used to shriek. They loved it, they absolutely loved it, you know? And I used to play them up, and, and I used to say, if you, in, in my old Norfolk way, I say, you play me up, I should be chucking this over you. Because they saw this peapot and they go, ah, you know, screaming again. And of course they kept giggling, didn't they? So I got the old water and I used to do this. They used to, and, and, and I said, I told you, you'll get this. <laughs> and so, and they said, oh, you won't. And I used to chuck it, not at them, but, you know, up the side of them, if you see what I mean. And that was a wonderful experience for the kids. They really loved it <laughs> in the cells at the toll house. But that, that's just another part of the... And then I used to um, work at the library, 
part of the museum when there were ex exhibitions of paintings and take the children in there and explain all the paintings, which was lovely, really. So that was 14 years of that. During which time, Mags and I were doing the, uh, we'd started our own Young People's Theatre Company, uh, which we met every week in the Kevin Arms pub at Galston, over the top of the, over the top of the room. They used to come with their little 50 peas in their hands, and I taught them. There was only just half a dozen of them to begin with. And like Topsy, we grew, and we became a um, concert party, going round to old people's places or making money for charities. Then we grew a bit more, and we did our big productions at St George's Theatre in Great Yarmouth. And then we did we moved away from there because it was too too small for us in then because we'd grown, and we did our big productions at the Pavilion Theatre in Galston, which are still going strong, and with, to which one of I went on Saturday night, then it was Peter Pan, and the last time I did Peter Pan was nineteen ninety seven I think, um, and I thought how wonderful they were now they they've grown they've come on they. They're so professional. And we made in excess of, when I was doing it with Mags, we made in excess of about £46,000 for charity, for children in need, for any charity that asked us to do anything. We would do it. Um, and I was trying, or we were trying to teach the children, not just about drama, but to be doing something for other people while they were enjoying themselves, and how to become strong citizens and could acquit themselves in any situation and believe me they have done us proud all those lovely young citizens are doing marvelous things um, some of them have formed choirs for breathing people some of them have teachers some of them have gone into west end an amazing experience that we had for all these years and they're still going strong under new direction and i'm so so grateful for that. Oh, the arts. The arts are so, so, I mean, it's everything, isn't it? Every aspect. I mean, uh, there's craft, not just craft work, but um, um, all, well, all manner of, of, of art. I mean, if you look at the, the way in which people grow through it, uh, they become, they become themselves through, through art and culture. Um, it, art literature is my my main thing to learn from from Shakespeare, even I mean Shakespeare was someone who had a handle on every emotion in the book I think, and you can learn a tremendous amount from him. I did at school. That was really I think um, what started me off on 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 my interest in it. Um, all manner of of, of uh, things that he he would talk about. And, and was be wise about it. I mean, for, for instance, Hamlet. One thing I try to live my life by is unto thine own self be true, and then it shall follow as the night the day. Thou canst not be false to any man. And that, to me, is my little you know, thing to live by, really. And that's just one thing that I learned from, from the arts. Performing, I, I love performing. And um, performing is so good for people. It's amazing for people. You can have, like a little lad I had, um, who, he, he wouldn't say boot or a goose, no? And so I used to nurture him, 
nurture him along by saying, can you just, um, he wouldn't do, want to do anything, can you just get that table out for us, you know, can you do, anyway, he moved on, and I suddenly saw, when he was in Wind of the Willows, I saw a spark, and I thought, here we go, and I encouraged that, he was playing Badger, and from that day on, he landed up in the West End, in Warhorse, and everything, he's now going to be a life coach, he's doing all manner of things, he, he phones me, quite regularly, from wherever he is, and that's what culture and the art does for people in, in the drama section. And I know that painting and, um, you know, or, or, or so many artists, and it's very sad, I think, that many artists only become popular after they've died. I don't understand that, but it's a shame, you know. They say, you know, you only have uh, a prophet hath honour, except in his own country, they say, don't they? That's a sort of similar thing, isn't it? But no, the arts is extremely important to me, and I, after 70 years of, of doing it, I, you see up on the mantelpiece, I have the an award from the Norfolk Arts, which made me very happy to think that uh, it'd been appreciated, what, what we'd done for, and, and for the people, and I, and I said then, I couldn't have done it without the help of everybody around me, or Mags, mm. I mean, she was the one who kicked me on, spurred me on, if you like. And she was so good at the administration. She did all that, and I did the teaching. So yes, it's a, to me, the arts is the most one of the most important things. And if the government don't start putting some money into it, we're going to lose it. Theatres close. Oh dear, that would be the saddest day. And it, it's very, very sad that they're, they're, they they we're always the poor relation, you know. Um, it's like mental health. Mental health to, to ordinary health, everyday health, is always the poor relation. And um, I've always found that the, the, the drama side is the poor relation to music as well. Uh, but the whole of it is so, so important. If you don't have it in the community, you won't have a community. I mean, community life now is so different from what it used to be. I used to follow there was a, there were some magazines and I'm just trying to remember what they were called um, which you kind of hid away you know um, and they were all about women in, in uh, uh, lesbian type things you know I hate the word lesbian to be honest with you um, I much prefer I, I, I don't and gay is a strange word you know because it's only far from anything is from gay to be honest in the, the experiences that we've all had they're not. I mean, my my dearest friend, he went through all sorts of stuff, you know. Um, it's not exactly gay. I don't know why they kind of call it that. But um, yes. So in those days, yes, we used to read these little magazines and things. But there were no, there were no, there was nowhere you could go. Um, and it was the Wolfenden Report, actually, um, in the late fifties, sixties, uh, who really set us on our right path and was allowing us to be the people we are, were and are. Men, uh, obviously you know all about that, but men had to go to prison just for being, almost, uh, trying to be themselves. Um, and, and they couldn't do anything in public at all. In other words, go and dance together. There were clubs. There were clubs then. There was the, um, well, you know about that, there was the big club in, in, in London, uh, where the women used to go, and um, that was featured in a film at one point. Um, 
people used to go down there. But if you, I, I once went to a club in Cambridge, once, just once, and you had to knock on the door, get in there, you know, it was that kind of stuff. Um, didn't really appeal to me terribly much, but pe people could be themselves. They were dancing, they were together, they were women dancing with each other, and in the others there were men, and, and, and high up ranking men, I mean, in, in various clubs that they had to be subversive. Um, so no, it didn't happen that there were things going on in community for us mm -hmm. at all, really. Were you aware, I mean, it was more, more true of the talking about gay men than gay women, mm. but were you aware that some judges offered um, men, instead of going to prison, that they had mental health treatment, mm. mental health treatment? Oh, that's in, terrible. Yeah, uh, where they were forced, terrible. They, used to, they were forced oh. to take uh, things that would make them sick, or they would get electric, they electric had shots mm. if they um, were aroused and yes. by yeah, male pictures. Were you aware of that stuff oh, at yes. the time? Oh yes, I knew what was going on and it was hideous. Um, really, I, I was so angry about it and, and people in the, in the services, if they were found to be um, gay, they had their, their medals taken away even, which is absolutely dreadful. I mean, they were fighting for their country, same as anybody else. And I was appalled at it, absolutely appalled at it. The second question about community here, what does community mean to you? Community means togetherness to me. Mm. It means all of us together. Whatever we're doing, getting together, sharing, helping each other, loving each other. At the end of the day, you know, love is the most important word in the whole dictionary. Well, I think so. And it doesn't matter in which way you show it. Mm. But you see, people are... And of course, Covid hasn't helped, has it? That's kind of separated you from, from each other. But before that, um, yes, I do think there's community in the Yarmouth, I do. And I'm all for encouraging it and trying to do what I can to help it. Our libraries are very, very instrumental in bringing people together too. At Galston, we try to do all sorts of things in there. Um, at the moment, we're trying to get the old clock back on there and people together to do that. Um, in memory of the, the librarian who died. She was an absolutely amazing person, and we want to get that back up uh, on, onto the old library. It was a Carnegie library. Why they pulled half of it down, I do not know. But um, that's the hub, really. We, we haven't got... I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, one of the um, shops has been turned into a cafe down there for mental health at the moment. But that's good, isn't it? That's community, bringing people in. Even though there's not enough people out there to treat them, at least they can talk. Sit in coffee and talk. It's just a wonderful place to be. Um, Norfolk is a beautiful county. Um, we're by the sea. We've got everything round us here. We've got lovely country walks. You haven't got to go far. We've got um, the seaside. You know, the community come here. We've got our pier hotel. I will give that a plug because my pier hotel is my second home. And they are the most lovely people. Um, they're my neighbours too, round the corner actually, but they are wonderful people and they look after. Talk about this community. Everyone there knows everybody. You go in and everyone says, hello, morning, you know, what can I do? And anything wrong is discussed and, oh yes, places like that. It's a good place for it. Um, I suppose travel maybe is not, not easy to get to places in, in good time. Um, that kind of stuff, but no, I don't. 
I, I can't honestly say that I see anything really, really bad in Galston and Yarm. L let's look at it. Yeah, we've got two parts of Yarm. We've got the cultural side, where the, the town wall, the museums, the, we've got lots of good stuff, but there is a dark side to it, and it's the drug, the drug thing. That's the trouble with it. I would say that just reminded me that there's a drug culture, um, which is sad. And we've got loads and loads of um, migrants, or whatever you wish to call them, different countries, people from different countries. And yes, they do stand around on corners, and they do look sometimes intimidating, but I don't think they all are. I just think they haven't got anything to do, and they're just standing around talking to each other and that sort of stuff. But that kind of thing at night does put people off going to Yarmouth. I will agree with that. And it can be a little bit, little bit frightening. But I'm not in the least against whoever's come to this country to live. They've got to live somewhere, and they've got to, 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 to enjoy what they do. And I think the majority do. I think that's just as usual. You've got your drug culture, that kind of stuff, and that always spoils wherever you live. Can I ask how the um, COVID-19 pandemic has affected you? Oh, <laughs> very badly insofar as it stopped me being at the hospital. That broke my heart. And what do you do at the hospital? Uh, a, a volunteer chaplain okay. at the hospital. And I've been there since 1983-ish. That's quite a long time. I, I used to spend a lot of time at the hospital on the wards and um, visiting patients. And the most rewarding ministry you could ever do is, t is to be there. It's totally different from being in a parish, in a church. It's real. It's people are dying, people have got problems, people need someone to listen. That's the important thing about a hospital ministry. It's not you go in there spouting stuff. You go, you'll be a friend at the bedside, you just say, how are you? How are you today? And, um, oh, well, I'm not religious, you know. I didn't ask you that. I just said, how are you today? And then we'll talk about football, we'll talk about all kinds, and then all the problems come out. And it's the best thing, I think, apart from the police force, because I used to love the police force, because that was a social thing too. In those days, it was Dixon and Doc Green stuff, and I was alongside all the people all the time, and I loved it. And uh, that, that was what the kind of thing was the same in the hospital. I just loved people, and I wanted to be alongside them, and that broke my heart because I couldn't. So I got the phone, and I, that was all red hot, to do various things through the pandemic. And I'm back at the hospital, but I'm only in the chapel, so I'm still feeling uh, I can't get to them enough. But if they can come and talk to me, that's great, mm. and I'll listen. And I write to people and do things like that, you know. But um, So yes, the pandemic did. However, um, you just get on with it. Went out every day, every day for walk, took your own coffee if you couldn't go out for coffee and you sat on the seafront and people would still come talk to you, you know, at a distance. So in that way, it does get you down a bit, but you just go through it because you've got to, to get to get rid of it. And so therefore, that was the only side of it that really, really upset me, was not being able to do my work. And the, the awful thing, of course, that, that again in hospitals, not being able to have the visitors not being able to be with your loved ones when they're dying. Dreadful thing. And the staff have been absolutely amazing. I don't care what anybody says, 
whatever hospital it is, they have worked their guts out mm. and they have become the family to people. And they are then feeling the stress and strain of that and they haven't had time to get rid of that before they start again. I hope you don't mind me saying you've lived a long life, an interesting life. What piece of advice would you give to somebody? One thing I would tell you is that it is never, the grass is never greener on the other side. It, it never is. And the, the greatest lesson to learn, it's taken me years to learn it, whatever state you find yourself in, be content with it. Because that will keep you steady and happy and trodding along. But love is the most important element you can ever show to anybody. And if you try to love people and not the bad side of everything, try to, by example, just just, just do the best you can, just love them. There's so many things that I've learnt, you know, in life, really. Um, but, but, but that is the most important, I think, to learn how to well, love your neighbour, if you like, and that will make you happy as well. But never, never think that, that the grass is greener and keep searching for things you can't reach. Just do what you can in your own corner. Show the example to others the best you can.